उपदिश्य मम वाच प्रसुप्ता संजीवय कपिल शक्ति धरा from Ramayana, the power of bad and good association and how a narrative is created when they have bad associations. So first of all, how many of you are broadly aware of the Ramayana plot story? Okay, please keep your hands up. Okay. Okay, some of you don't know Ramayana at all. Who is the main what who are the two main characters of Ramayana? Ram and Rama and Rao, Rama and Sita actually. In fact, in many South Indian commentators, they call Rama and Sita the journey of Sita. So Rama and Sita are the main characters, and of course, the typical, you know, the, the storyline is, of course, we have a spiritual angle which we will discuss during the course of the next few days. But even if you see materially, it has all the uh, contents of an excellent thriller movie. It has a hero, a damsel in distress, and there's a bad guy, <laughs> and you know, and then there are amazing sacrifices, Jatayu, service of Hanuman, all of that. So, so Rama and mainly Ram and his eternal consort Sita. So they are the two personalities, and Ravan is the villain. And the journey of the, the story of Rama begins with Ram's father. What is his father's name? Dasharath Maharaj. So what was his problem in life? He had a big problem. Yes, anyone? Yes. He had no children. And he had how many wives? 350. We'll discuss some other time why he had so many wives. There's a story to that also. But three were prominent. Three prominent wives of Dasharath Maharaj. First, who are the oldest one? Who knows? Kaushalya. Second? No, second? Sumitra. Third? And who was the favorite of Dasharath Maharaj of these three? Not Kaushalya. Every, every evening you would go to her room. Every night you spent time with her room. And she was the most beautiful of all the 350 plus queens we had. And she was the youngest and the most beautiful. So anyway, Dasharath couldn't have an issue. He couldn't have a child, so he was very distressed and then there's a whole pastime of how he performed the sacrifice and he invoked the blessings of the gods and he got four illustrious sons. What are their names? Ram, Lakshman, Bharat and Shatru. So Ram was born to Koshalya. Bharat was born to KK. And Lakshman and Shatrugna are sons of Sumitra. Clear? Everyone knows this so far? And Ram and Bharat were actually, uh, Bharat of course, all, all of them are attached to Ram. He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And, but Bharat and Ram are considered equals. They were born at the same time. Just little, few, few minutes, few seconds difference. Bharat was younger. But the two brothers, the two sons of Sumitra, Lakshman and Shatrugna, Lakshman was serving always whom? He was always like a shadow to Ram, Ram and Shatrugna to Bharat. Bharat. So Ram and Bharat and this and they were uh, and they were closely attached to Shatrugna and sorry, Lakshman and Shatrugna respectively. All four of them had excellent bonding. They had displayed all the virtuous qualities. 
And then one day Vishwamitra Rishi came, was a great sage. And when he came to the kingdom, the Sat Maharaj said, How can I serve you? Anything you ask for, I'll give you. So he said, I want your son Ram. Because I want to, uh, there is a very, very wicked demoness, what's her name? Kataka. And her son, sons, she had two sons, Maricha and Subhav. They are harassing me and I can destroy them with my curses. But if I curse them, then I lose my power. But your son Ram is very qualified. He is 16 years old. Very, he knows all the, he has all the knowledge of all the uh, weapons. So I want to take him and destroy these Rakshasas. So Dasharath was shocked because he didn't want to part with his son. So then the whole story drama happens and then finally Dasharath Maharaj agrees for Ram to go with Vishwamitra. And naturally who will accompany Ram? Lakshmi. So both of them go and then there is a, a beautiful pastime. They, they destroy all these demons. And Maricha, Lord Ram doesn't kill him because he, Lord Ram has a plan for him. He just shoots an arrow by which Maricha falls 800 miles somewhere across the ocean. He, placed, he falls in a place called, which was then called as Maricha. Now today it is called as Mauritius. <laughs> so that's the whole theory I have read you know, about all the different places, how it is connected to Rama. And, so anyway, so then they after killing all these demons, Vishwamitra says now we go to Janak Maharaj's kingdom, Mithila, and there Lord Ram performs the most amazing task. He lifts the bow of Lord Shiva and he strings it and breaks it and wins the hand of Mother Sita. So Ram gets married to Sita. And then they come back to Ayodhya. This is just a brief introduction, I just wanted you, because we are going to dive into one of the <coughs> episodes of the Ramayana now. So after they come back to Ayodhya, Ram is married to Sita. Sita's younger sister, uh, Mandodari, is married to Lakshman. Bharat, Bharat is married to, Shatrugna is married to Shutakirti. Bharat is, oh sorry, Bharat is married to uh, Mandodari. Lakshman is married to Urmila. So these four brothers and their wives and Dasharat Maharaj is very happy to see them in the kingdom. And what happened then? They live happily ever after. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, in the earlier days in the Bollywood movies, in the end, they would end it with this statement. And the hero and the heroine would be sitting and they're like, and they live happily ever after. And I remember my dad would tell, jokingly, if there is ever a lie spoken, that is this. <laughs> First of all, nobody lives ever after, and for whatever time we live in this world, we don't live happily. There are a lot of struggles and challenges and suffering, and that's what Lord Ram's pastime in the Ramayana reveals, as we will now enter a very interesting section of Ramayana where politics and intrigue unfolds. See, we all love to hear gossip. <laughs> we love to hear politics. And that's why news channels, they flourish because, you know, they have a fetish for these things, right? Therefore, um, what we can do is, we can dovetail this propensity by reading and analyzing scriptures. So, therefore, but you know, when we are reading scriptures, especially the politics that happened in Ayodhya, which you are going to hear now, please hear it with an open, uh, open heart. You know, uh, just allow yourself to be influenced by the pastime, because this pastime will not only nourish your heart, it will fine-tune your brain cells in such a way that you will you will discover answers for many of your own questions in life when you hear the same pastime again and again. That's the beauty of Bhagavatam, Ramayana, Mahabharata. Sometimes people say, I want solution for these problems. Is this practical? But this is counterintuitive. It may not appear practical, it may appear simply story and theory, but just hear the pastime and you will discover solutions. So, I have some examples for that, maybe later on, I want to first cover this topic. So Emperor Dasharat Maharaj, he decides that I want to now coronate my son, eldest son Ram, as the prince regent. He should be the king. And that time Bharat and Shatrugna had gone to uh, Bharat's uh, mother's place, maternal grandparents' house. So they were not there. Only Ram and Lakshman were in the kingdom. 
and Dasarath Mala saw auspicious, you know, he saw the astrological chart, and but this is the best time, and later on there will be no auspiciousness. I should make Ram the king now. He asked his ministers, and they said, yes. They were all excited. They said, Ram has all the wonderful qualities. He should be made the king. And Dasarath Mala became very happy, and the news spread, and in Ayodhya, everyone became happy. Ram is going to be appointed as a king tomorrow. And all the women gathered at each other's houses. They were discussing the shopkeepers, the traders. They all stopped their daily activities and they were only talking about Ram's coronation. Children were generally busy playing. They stopped their play and they were talking about Ram. People sprinkled the streets with flowers and uh, you know fragrant, uh, fragrant perfumes and all of that. And they decorated the houses with flags, festoons. So beautiful uh, scene was created in Ayodhya. But then a disaster, which is unknown as yet to the citizens of Ayodhya, is about to strike. There was an elderly hunchback lady. Her name is Mantara. She was a servant of KK. So when KK was a small young girl in her parents' house, Mantara was a servant. And then when she got married, KK got married and she came to Ayodhya, Mantara came with her. So KK was very close to Mantra and Mantra was a servant of KK. So she saw from the terrace of a palace a flurry of And she saw the cheerful faces of the citizens of Ayodhya. When you see somebody smiling, happy, festival going on, what happens to you? That you also want to be part of that celebration, right? When you're like, wow, something good, something happy is happening. But it is interesting to read in Ramayana when I was reading the Ayodhya Khan. Mantra, when she saw happy faces of Ayodhya, she got disturbed. This is amazing. A fundamentally flawed character comes out in the Ramayana very graphically. So she, uh, it is explained that even the animals like elephants and horses were so happy in Ayodhya at this news of Ram being the king that the bulls started roaring in jubilation. But Mantara, she was very unhappy to see everybody happy. So what she did, interesting, she went to a maid, another maid servant in the palace, and she asked her a question. Now, a spontaneous question that she asks reveals how insecure she is. The first sentence Mantara is speaking in the Ramayana, and I read this verse from the Valmi Ramayana, I was amazed. See, we, we, you know, many times we claim that I have others' interests in heart, I want to serve, you know, we want to present ourselves as a good devotee. But when we are caught unawares, what's really hidden inside, it just comes out. So Mantara, you know, if I may give a very well-planned rehearsed class, I may make all the notes, I may speak, but what do I do when the camera catches me when I'm alone, you know, when I'm exposed? So that's our test. So Mantara, she was diplomatic, she had a, you know, she was a, she was a queen's main, main queen serving, but she was immediately exposed in this situation. And she saw this happiness, she's asking this main servant, listen to this, what is happening here? Is Kaushalya, now who is Kaushalya? The first, the eldest queen, right? So KK is asking, sorry, not KK. Mantra is asking to the maid servant, is Kaushalya, who is so lusty and greedy for wealth, is she giving her a chari? This is the first question she asks. This is a classic case of someone who is enemy center. She's, her happiness is dependent on how miserable Kaushalya is. And she considered, she, she thought Dasharat Maharaj was her enemy. Why, why was she so disturbed by Kaushalya? Because Kaushalya is the oldest queen. Okay. And Keke is the youngest queen. But Dasarath Maharaj liked whom more? Keke. So just so Keke was preferred over Kaushalya. So among servants also, if Keke is the boss, then Keke's servants will be boss. <laughs> and they will be preferred over Kaushalya servants. So even servants have this pride. So Mantra was thinking uh, that the Valmiki Muni calls Mantra as Papa Darshini, one with the vision of sin. And uh, 
she when she hears Exodus maid servant tells her Ram is going to be appointed the king tomorrow. So when Mantara hears this, she runs to Kek and Kek is on her couch. She is relaxing. She says, "You foolish woman, you are relaxing in ignorance. When a great calamity is at your doorstep." Now she nurse hated for the king and she starts telling Kek, "You know why the king has sent Bharat away?" Now she catches on this. This is a coincidence. There are a lot of descriptions of it. It's a big topic to discuss why Bharat was sent away. Bharat and Bharat and Shatrughna had gone to their maternal grandfather's house. So Mantara catches this point. See, your husband, the king, is so political that he has sent Bharat away, and now he is making Ram the king tomorrow in his absence because Bharat is the rightful. He is the rightful heir to the throne. So. Then, then she starts telling Kk that Ram will become king, and your son Bharat's plan will be destroyed. Oh, night queen, rise, act fast! Your husband is your enemy. You trust him like a foolish man trusts a serpent which he keeps on his heart, and he sleeps blissfully ignorant. So you have, you are going to have terrible consequences because of this decision of the king. See, this is Mantara's. So how she has, what she has done, you see. She is now making KK feel her husband is an enemy, Ram is an enemy. When we have a fundamentally flawed character, when our paradigms are faulty, we will amplify our worries. We will exaggerate others' faults, <coughs> and we will justify our uh, sinister motives. This is what happened, and this is exactly what Mantra started imagining all this, and nothing like that was there happening there. And Kaiki, what do you think was her first reaction when she heard Ram is going to be the king? Any any guesses? <coughs> she was happy. In fact, she had a priceless jewel necklace. She removed it and she gave it to Mantara as a gift. And then she said, "You know, last night the king told me that my son is going to be the king." So and she was very exuberant. And she said, "Mantara, why are you so agitated? I know you are a cranky old woman." See, Kaiki thought, you know, she's senile, but then she's she's a good woman. She has a good heart. You know, she served me for so many decades. She's a nice lady. These are happy moments, Mantara. Kaiki said. So Mantara, she became furious when she saw Kaiki is happy. She thought Kaiki would echo her uh, uh, anger. So she took that necklace and she threw it away and she admonished Kaiki. She said. Your son will be the king. Very sarcastic. Now she got very sarcastic. She said, "Oh, are you sure? It is Bharat who will be the king tomorrow. You do not realize that Ram will be made the king, and Bharat will be reduced to be a servant of Ram." Now, what do you think Kaiki would say now to this? She said these famous words. At one point of time, I memorized these words. Now I don't remember. 2.7.35 second uh, which is Ayodhya Kan, the second chapter, that is the first amazing verse. When I read it, I was like, was so inspired. Take a say this famous verse. She says, "Rameva Bharateva ham visheshan nopalakshay ham tushtami atraja Ramam Raja Vishekanam." I remember this. She saying, "Rameva Bharateva ham Rama and Bharat both are same for me." And Ram being made the king is giving me so much happiness. This is Kaiki's immediate, spontaneous reaction. That means she was spontaneously loving Ram, and Mantra spontaneously hated Ram. But Mantra is able to convince Kaiki, and dislike. And Kaiki starts disliking Ram. I mean, this is how bad association can influence our influence our hearts. So. So how did the mantra convince Kaiki? Because Kaiki said these famous words. This is very important for us to know, you know, because in our dealings, when we get wrong association, how they can change our paradigms. And it's also very sobering to know how bad association is destructively powerful. So mantra first first thing she did when Kaiki said, "Ram and Bharat are both same to me." Mantra started laughing. And while laughing, she said, 
Oh, gentle queen, I feel very sorry for you. But I can't help laughing how childish you are. My heart grieves in pain to see your plight, yet I laugh. So I think you can explain why was she laughing. Her laughter was intentional. She wanted to make Kate feel that she's an idiot. You know, when somebody, when you're gullible or you do something wrong and somebody laughs at you, you feel hurt, right? So she wanted to do that because Mantra also felt like I'm losing control of the situation because she didn't want Ram to be the king. So she thought, oh no, Kaiki is also happy. I'm losing this. Now, but if she loses, if she, if she lets her real emotions come out, she'll be angry, she'll get violent, she'll become vicious. So as a release for her anger, she laughed. And also because, you know, a disproportionate response, a anger, can make the whole situation go out of her control. So she laughed. And then that laughter, Valmiki Mili said, laughter was not only simply because she wanted to release her frustration, she was also plotting a more creepy conspiracy. She was actually entering a very deadly uh, strategy she was doing. She told uh, Kaiki, Kaiki, your mind is very weak and you're disturbed. You know, you are laughing at an enemy's prosperity. That means you are happy to face death. Don't you realize that Ram and Bharat have the same right for kingdom? And Bharat deserves to be the king? And don't you know that those who are afraid of us, they will only give us pain and suffering? So Ram is afraid of Bharat, so he's going to give us pain and suffering soon. See, it's amazing how... It's, look at that irony here. It is Mantara who is afraid, but she, and she is about to give pain and suffering to others, but she is convinced that Ram is fearful and he is going to give pain to me. Now, this is amazing. Now, at this point of time, you think KK is convinced by this? What do you think? This is good logic. She gives an interesting argument. KK says she dismisses Mantara's theory by saying, Ram is trained by his elders. He knows how to respect others. And you know, Ram has got this quality of gratitude. He will take care of Bharat. In fact, he takes care of his servants so well. You know, one of the qualities of Ram. In Ramayana, very beautiful description. You know, Ram had this amazing quality. You know, generally if you are a celebrity, you know, when you see a celebrity, what do you do? You go to that person and talk, and that person only responds to you. Celebrity doesn't come running to you and talking to you. But Valmiki Muni described that Ram, Ram's quality which endeared into the citizens of Ayodhya was that Ram would on his own go to people and ask them, how are you? And they would be like, you know, we wanted to come to you, but you are coming to us. And Ram would go to their houses if there was some death or tragedy and he would cry with them. But he would not give solutions. He would just empathize with them. So they, they were overwhelmed to see these qualities. So Mantra is able to see faults in such Ram. So then uh, Kaiki is revealing all this to Mantara. She says, you know, just like a father protects his children, Ram will protect all his citizens. There is no need to worry. And do you know something, Mantara? I do not observe. Ram serves me more than he serves his own mother, Koshalya. So how can you be angry at Ram's coronation? And Mantara immediately scoffed at this point. She said, you know, because what happened? Kaiki said, Ram and Bharat same. And you know, Ram will rule for many years and then he will give away the kingdom to Bharat. She just, you know, she just non-correctly mentioned that. So, Mantra, not only she got angry, she said, she started, what, she said, what logic is this? If Ram is ruling for many years, then he will give the kingdom to his son. Why will he give it to Bharat? So, you are a stupid woman, she tells like then, then, then she says, actually, you don't have threat from anyone else. See, Lakshman is loyal to Ram. Shatrughna is loyal to Bharat. So, both of them will never claim to claim the kingdom. It's only between Ram versus Bharat. So Kaiki was not taking Mantara's outburst seriously. There are many, there is a long chapter. I'm, not, I'm just fast forwarding the whole discussion. But you know, she, she started seeing merit in what Mantara was saying. And what was the turning point of the whole discussion when Mantara, when Kaiki was actually started getting convinced. And that was when the turning point in this brainwashing exercise by Mantara was when she expertly played on a natural rivalry that existed between the queen and the palace. 
that's the, that's the turning point. She said, oh, Kenki, now when Rani becomes a king, you know what will happen? Kaushalya will always snub in favor of Kenki by Dasharath Maharaj. And because of that, Kenki was very haughty and arrogant. And Mantara in turn, she was also very boss with the other servants in the palace. So now she is telling Kaike that, see, if Ram becomes a king, then Ram's mother, Kaushila, will get prominence as Raj Mata. So when she gets prominence, he will be relegated to the background. So she started, you know, the insecurity is, uh, is amazing how you can, we are insecure. See, we don't have an abundant mentality. If we live in a scarcity mindset, always insecure and fearful, it can be disastrous. So we need to cultivate an abundance mentality. We need to cultivate... You know that we are safe, we are good, there is enough for me in devotional service, I am happy. Anyway, so our insecurity uh, was what actually uh, trapped her. So then, Mantra started explaining when Ram becomes the king, the whole equation would change. Uh, Ram would make Bharat, either, either he would get Bharat killed or he would send him away to the forest. And uh, like this, she convinced him. Now we think only the kings and rich people are proud and sometimes we think somebody is very poor or a beggar or a servant is humble. But Srila Prabhupada would say a beggar is also proud of his thing. So false pride can be there even amongst the servants. So KK's mind changed after Mantra convinced her. And she was convinced that the king has done injustice and is a conspiracy. So now this is amazing how when I am when I, my paradigms are faulty, I see the whole world is wrong. Others are wrong. I mean, if you have a stinking fish bone stuck on your nostril, and you go to the refrigerator, and you say, oh, refrigerator is stinking. Then you go to the kitchen, oh, kitchen is so dirty. You go to the hall, you go to the bedroom, the whole house is stinking. Then you go to the neighboring street, you go to the neighbor's house, and then you declare the whole world is stinking. That was Mantara's situation. She's finding, oh, Dasarat Maharaj is political, Ram is like this, all this imagining. And she's playing a victim card. She's telling, you know, she's saying that oh, how Dasharat Maharaj is doing injustice to you. Actually, you know, in abuse, some, in abuse cases, I've seen, there are some abuse cases where the predator plays a victim card. It's deadly. So that's how Mantara latched on to just one thing, two things actually. One was KK's uh, insecurity with Kaushalya. And the second was the timing of Ram's coronation. These are the two things she latched on to. And she, she kept repeating that and Kaike's mind changed. And Kaike who loved Ram, her mind was now swayed completely to believe that Ram is a soul enemy. And then she said, yes, I want Ram to, I want Ram to go to the forest instead of Bharat. So what should I do? Tell me Mantra. Now she took shelter of Mantra. Give me an idea of who is that because now the announcement has been made. Now what can I do? And Mantara then revealed an earlier incident when Dasharath Maharaj, Dasharath Maharaj is an expert archer. Dasharatha means he could fight in 10 directions at the same time. We generally think of directions as 4, right? North, South, East, West. But in the Vedic paradigm, the Vedic dimension of space is 10. The 4 directions, North, South, East, West, and the corners of North, South, East, West. That makes it 8. And then upper planetary systems and lower planetary systems. So like that. So Dasarath Maharaj is expert in 10 directions to shoot arrow at the same time. So in one battle, uh, Kaike was with him and he was wounded and she brought him back to safety. And Dasarath Maharaj was very pleased with his wife. He said, I'll give you any two boons that you ask. And she deferred it to a later date. And the mistake she did was, she revealed all those things which, you know, See, the private discussion that you have with your beloved, you are not supposed to share with your servants. But she made a servant, she should have shown her, she should have given her the position that she deserves. She made her so close that Mantara was now privy to all this information which she shouldn't have known in the first place. So now she is using it against Kaike. So she says, you can ask for those two benedictions. One is, uh, let, Ram, let Bharat be the king and let Ram go to the forest. See, now, KK actually till this point is gullible, you know, she's innocent. She tells Mantara, actually I'm very happy, you know, by this I can ask Bharat to be the king. But why should Ram be sent to the forest? <laughs> Let Ram remain here. And then Mantara, you know, she lowered her voice. She narrowed her eyes. 
and she bent close. She was already bent, <laughs> and she like came close, <laughs> and she said, "Oh, innocent one, Katie, you are so innocent. Hmm? If you, do, you don't realize, if Ram doesn't go to the forest, you will continue to influence people here, and you will take over the kingdom. So if Ram goes to the forest, then Bharat can influence all the citizens of Ayodhya, and he can make his base strong." So after 14 years, when Ram comes back, then Bharat, he will not be able to influence. Bharat would be undisputed emperor of the whole world. At this point of time, K.K. started seeing Mantara as her real well-wisher. She again took a precious jewel and she put it on her hunch. What is that called? Hunch, right? Like, she said, this is so beautiful, your hunch. Actually, you are a beautiful woman, Mantara. I always thought you are a, a hunchback, old woman. Your hunch is so beautiful. <laughs> and once Bharat once becomes the king, I will massage this hunch with sandalwood oil. <laughs> Ramayana is very poetic, you know, very graphically poetic. I want, I want to memorize those verses, but... Sorry? Anyway, so Mantara was... And when Keki started saying all this, Mantra should have been flattered, but Mantra is such a devious woman. She is, she didn't smile. In fact, now she's going to unveil a very deadly plan. Because you know what KK said when Mantra gave this proposal, when Mantra gave this logic that you know Ram will stay in the kingdom, will influence citizens. So you said KK was so happy with this. She said logic. What a logic! Yes, Mantra, these two boons I will ask. What are the two boons? Bharat should be made the king, and Ram should go to the forest. I will right away go to the king and ask for these two boons. Simple, get these two boons. Look at Mantra's dirty mind. She's telling Kaiki, no, 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 don't go to the king. Let him come to you. Every night he comes to you. Because he wants to enjoy you. Let him come again. But this time he'll be for a big surprise. So Kaiki wondering, what do you mean? So then she says, put on soiled clothes. You know, make your hair all scattered, don't put any makeup <laughs> and just, you know, forlorn, just lie on the floor and uh, she, it's a very malicious intention, very sly smile, she started saying all of this to Kiki and then she, she said, you know, Dasarath Maharaj loves you so madly that he will not tolerate seeing you like this, this kind of situation he will not, so he will try to placate your wounded heart, he will say, okay, I'll give you gold, I'll give you this. You will speak loving words, but don't be tempted. Stay focused. <laughs> Same thing Krishna tells Arjuna in the Gita. Stay focused. <laughs> so she, she tells her that, you know, just be focused on these two goals. And when he's exhausted, all is, you know, pacifying you. Then finally when he's desperate, then you ask for this. So KK surrenders to Mantra's evil ploy. And she goes to, amazing, huh? during those days, if you are angry, you could go to another palace. There is, another, there is a room in the palace for different emotions. There is a, place, there is a room in the palace called Kopa Bhavan. Kopa means anger. So if you, are, if you are angry, you should go and stay in that palace. In that room. So she goes to Kopa Bhavan and she lies on the floor with her hair scattered, you know, clothes disheveled and she's there. <laughs> so then Dasar Maharaj comes in the evening as usual to spend time with his favorite queen and then he hears she's gone to Kopa Bhavan and he's like astonished. Anyway, that's another past time we discussed another time how Dasarath acts. Like when we come to the topic of decision making, we discuss Dasarath Maharaj and Kaiki's uh, dialogues, the conversation they have. It's unbelievable how Dasarath Maharaj just um, he gives into everything that Kaiki says. But anyway, so far what we discussed in this past time about bad association, that is the point, right? That is the theme. So this pastime reveals, mantra influencing Kaike reveals the power of associating with malevolent people with who have bad intention. See, Kaike could have done a simple thing. Simple thing. She could have clarified with the king. Why do I send Bharat away? Okay, let us, see, let us say she doesn't trust the king. Well, that was Guru. Vashishta was respected by everyone. And there was a trusted minister, Sumantra, who has been there for so many years. See, there were so many people she could have approached. And she could have resolved this. But when we are swayed away by our greed and lust and you know, impulsive actions, sometimes when you get impulsive, you just forget, you lose the sense of discrimination. That's why we have, a two, we have two kinds of selves inside us, the reflective self and the impulsive self. Often, because of Rajaguna, what of passion, our impulsive self becomes 
hyperactive and the reflective self is buried. We need to, we need to do activities, we need to spend time in a space where the reflective self becomes stronger. So anyway, all of this tragedy could have been avoided, but then you would have nothing else to discuss. So we needed this pastime. So, um, and later on in the Ramayana, you will read that Kaiki also gets sober because Bharat rejects her. And then Kaiki understands. So the main point I wanted to discuss was this, that bad association, this is how deadly it is. And the, and the most amazing thing is, how many of you have been to Ayodhya? Anybody here? Wow. You've been to Ayodhya? Uh, you've been? Anybody? Nobody else? Ayodhya is one of the most beautiful places. You know, I, I, I went, once went, I went, I've gone four or five times. So one of my brahmachari friends told me, let us go to some, I'll show you one uh, ashram. You know, we went there. And one Babaji is sitting there doing Ram Katha. He knows the whole Ramayana by memory. And a huge hall, only three people are sitting in the class. And for two hours he was just going on speaking Ramayana. And it was amazing. And there is a, the most beautiful palace in Ayodhya, if you go even today, it is called Kanak Mahal. Kanak Mahal is a golden palace. That was Kaike's palace. Kaike's palace was the most beautiful palace in Ayodhya. And when Ram and Sita got married, they came to Ayodhya. You know, there is a custom in the Hindu tradition that the mothers welcome the Bahu, you know, the bride, the daughter-in-law. So when, Kaike, when uh, Sita and Ram came outside the Kanak Mahal, which is the most beautiful palace and the biggest palace in Ayodhya, Kaike, the owner of that palace, she comes out, she embraces Ram and Sita, and she tells them to go inside, and then she says, now this palace is yours. And she leaves. She gives such a person who loved Ram and Sita so much, now she wants him to be banished. This is the power of bad association. And this can happen to the best of us. Our minds can get any time. I'll tell you my own story. How I, I began something like, I, I won't tell you the details of the story. So but offline I can tell you. So I became like Kiki because of one, one situation. And, and, and the irony of the story is, okay, I'll, tell you, I'll go a little back background. In 2005 or 2006, when I was preaching, one young boy started coming for my classes. And you may hear it later, I think he's being recorded. So he's, his father is a very renowned astrologer. He was such a famous, such a renowned astrologer that, uh, you know, Osama bin Laden. <laughs> All of you know, his sister would take consultancy from him on astrology. You <laughs> <laughs> may be surprised that they also take astrology. And Nawaz Sharif, the Prime Minister of Pakistan, he has many shopping malls in Dubai. So this this boy's father would give him Vasco consultancy. I was like surprised, you know. Pakistan. <laughs> anyway, so his son started coming from him. And he was 16 year old, you know, just like all of you here. Young, beautiful, innocent, pure. You know, you can see the sparkle in his eyes. So sweet, young boy. And I developed naturally affection for him, you know, like a fatherly affection. I would give a lot of time, Mahaprasad, a 16-year-old boy coming on his own, looking for Krishna consciousness. And he became like a 16-rounder overnight, and he became, I, I was having a lot of hopes on him. And then he went for holidays to Bengaluru, which is in South India. And there is a headquarters of another branch of a deviant, uh, it's a long story. <laughs> so he stayed there for one month, then he came back to Mumbai, and he came back and he stopped coming for my classes and the program. And then I sent another boy to call for him. And then one day this boy came to meet me. And when I saw him, trust me when I say this, I was shocked to see his face, his face had changed. Because in that one month that he was there, he only heard about scandals. Those guys were in that temple. They like told him all the ISKCON leaders are like this. And, this, and, this. and I didn't realize that when I saw his face, I knew. His face had actually converted. You know, it became, it's like in the movies they show. You know, those demons, how they are. He actually looked wicked. He looked horrible. And I'm like, what happened to you? I'm sorry to say, but his con is like this. My God, from 9, 9.30 in the morning till 6.30 we were talking. I was trying to convince him. And 
Because I'm not a debater, you know, I couldn't logically, I was giving him all the argument, I knew all the answers, but oh, I'm just like, hey, this sannyasi is like this, I'm just don't know, this temple is like this, they are taking out. So then, one option was I run away from there or I avoid it to save my own spiritual life. <laughs> but I knew the bottom of his heart is an innocent, pure hearted soul. Why did he get into this mess? Why did he get into this mess? So then, some more Krishna gave me the intelligence. You know? Just at the end, around sunset, six o'clock, <laughs> I held his hand. I said, "Mama, just tell me one thing. See, before you went to Bangalore, how much affection you had for Krishna? And ask yourself in your heart, do you feel the same joy in Krishna consciousness now? Do you feel that? Do you experience that same innocence and you know that sweetness? Because Ajay was appreciating everything, and now he is criticizing everything." I said, ask your heart. <coughs> and when I said that, he just, because he was talking all the time. But when I said this sentence, I also don't know how I said that. <laughs> when I said that, he was like, his eyes even started moving. As if he was, he was uh, searching for something. But actually I could, I could see that he's searching for something within. <laughs> you know, your eyes are going like this. As if, as if I had said, it was a lightning, what was the you know, lightning bolt. And then he didn't say anything, he said, yeah, yeah. I said, please take Prashad. No, no problem, you have to go and he went. So I didn't know what, what, what he's thinking. But after two days, he came. And you know, we had all monitors, Jagannath, Vajra, Subhadra. He paid all the senses. And he apologized to me. And then he said, probably I'll never go there again. And his life changed dramatically after that. And he not only went on to get initiated, become a great devotee, he went on to follow his father's footsteps, became a great astrologer. And by a twist of fortune, I landed up in a very big mess few years ago and I was able to make some very, very big decisions which would have been disastrous for my life and for our community. Some things was horrible. And then at the right time, somehow, I think because I helped him at the right time, Krishna gave me the intelligence to tell him once. Because he's an astrologer, I thought he would give me some suggestion on how I should execute this. So I called him and he was on a holiday with his wife. He had just got married. And he said, Prabhu, wait! I want to talk to you something important. And he shortened his holiday with it. He convinced his wife. They came back and he came directly to the temple. He came to my room. He sat with me for one hour and just convinced me that I shouldn't do this. And every sentence he spoke was like... And, then I, and I got convinced in that one hour what I had been thinking of for the last three years, negative about some devotee. In one hour he convinced me and then in the end I realized, my God, He's come back to help me. <laughs> See, this is, I, I realize if you are genuinely compassionate and genuinely are wanting to serve someone, Krishna will help you. And in my case, it happened very dramatically that the same person helped me. And I'm eternally grateful to him. And also I realized over the years that when we go through such situations, when we hear bad, negative, lot of, there's a lot of scope to hear negativity in this one. But I'm, trust me, when I, I was telling Ram today morning that when I was seeing all of you in the Guru Puja today, I was like feeling... You are so nice and you have come to Krishna consciousness. Please don't get swayed by this uh, negative propaganda. Because internet now is the forum for all irresponsible behavior. You can be nobody and you can put anything on the internet. Please consult someone senior, someone who is a well-wisher and get it clarified. Please. And you may say, but Prabhu, there are problems. What do you do? So I tell you my survival coping techniques which may help you. I have eight sutras which I follow for the last many, many years. One day I was journaling, I discovered these eight sutras. Whenever I say anything wrong, I follow this one of these eight. You know, it's like a basket of mental uh, uh, reasoning. I have a basket, basket of mental reasoning where I have eight sutras. I just pick up any one of them and that solves my... Otherwise, if you are negative, you will be finished. I'm able to appreciate devotees most of the time because of... I pick up one of the eight. And what are these eight? When I say somebody is being wrong, see generally we look at black and white, right? Right, wrong, right, wrong. That is our thinking. So when I say somebody is doing wrong or somebody doing opposite of what I think is right, the first sutra I pick up is, he is also right. Or she is also right. Or nowadays, you know, you have to say, they is also right. <laughs> <laughs> I went through this in Seattle last year. You know, I, first time I did a corporate seminar and I said, Mr. Rodriguez, he has made a great point. And then after that, the host told me later, Prabhu, he's a, he's a, he didn't get offended because he knows you come from India. 
But he, last six months, he, he said he's a she, so you should not have said he. And I said, how do I know that? He said, you should have said they. They made a good point. So that was, that's why I'm getting baptized in the <laughs> So they is also right. Like, I don't know if you've seen that there is a, there is a drawing of an old woman and a young woman. You know, if you see it in a certain angle, it appears to be an old woman. So what does that show? That shows how the other person could also be right. So this is the first sutra which has helped me tremendously. They is also right, he is also right. He is right. I am also right, he is also right. Like you know, when I joined the ashram, we were fond of Mahaprasad. And then one day one of the ashram in charge said, you should not steal Mahaprasad like that. It is meant for the grahastha to come to temple. You know, we should be strict brahmacharis. So I said, okay. And then, I saw another brahmachari friend of mine, next day when I was washing pots, he came and took all the Mahaprasad. Then I had to tell him, no, he's also right, Mahaprasad is good, you should take Mahaprasad, you know, you get love of Krishna, so okay. He's also right, I'm also right, not taking Mahaprasad. But sometimes, what happens is, I've seen that he's not right. It's obvious, right? This also happens. Like, uh, uh, like they announced in the ashram, Nobody should take Mahaprasad from the DT kitchen. No Brahmachari should take. So now when he takes Mahaprasad, I know he is not right. Then I follow the second sutra. He doesn't know what is right. The first is what? He is also right. Second? He doesn't know what is right. Because I, I told myself, he was, he was not there in the meeting, in the announcement. I, mean, I assumed. I said, he may not have been there in the meeting. So he doesn't know that you are not supposed to take Mahaprasad. He doesn't know what is right. If he is told, he will not take. But then even that could fail. What if he was in the meeting? And he, actually I saw that, you know, he was in the meeting. <laughs> so I couldn't do the second sutra. So then I use the third sutra. His intention is right. You know, he is taking Mahaprasad, but not for himself. Maybe he is giving to some Grahastha. Maybe he is giving to some sick devotee. Maybe he is helping someone else. So what is the first? He is also right. Second, he doesn't know what is right. Third, his intention is right or his motive is right. And now, uh, I saw once that this devotee was in the meeting. He knew we were not supposed to take Mahaprasad. He took that Mahaprasad. Then I followed him to see where he takes it. He gave it. He was, he was himself eating it. So now, all the three rules have failed, right? He is also right. No, he is not right. He doesn't know what is right. No, he knows what is right. And his intention is also not right. So then, the, I followed the fourth sutra. I said, I don't know what is right. <laughs> this is beyond me. This is beyond me. You know, sometimes you know, our intelligence fails. We have to be humble enough to accept that I am limited. Like my Guru Maharaj tells me that, you know, when he joined uh, ISKCON, he was very attached to one Gaudiyamatta Sanyasi. And then, when he joined Iskwan, devotees were telling him that Prabhupada says this Sanyasi is a snake, this Sanyasi is like this. And then that Sanyasi's followers told my Guru Maharaj about Prabhupada, a lot of negative things. They are pure devotees. So then Maharaj says, I followed a simple formula. I said, I don't know what is right and wrong. I am a simple brahmachari. And it is between two great souls. And those who took sides, they got destroyed. Eventually. And Maharaj said, I kept quiet. And then eventually I saw Srila Prabhupada and that Sanyasi, they, they kind of became very close friends during the last days. So, don't, just don't jump into conclusions. So I said, okay, I don't know what is right. This also helps me. Like I'll tell you Gauran Prabhu, now I don't mind if the recording is going on. He gave a class in the Brahmachari class. In 1999 March, during those days, the greatest Maya was newspapers. <laughs> we didn't have smartphones there. So he said, so newspaper means Kali Puran. Nobody should read newspaper. He himself gave that class and next day he was reading newspaper in the bookshop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he is also right. No. He doesn't know what is right, but what do we do in And what is the third thing? His intention is right. I said, maybe I didn't know what is his intention. And then fourth was, uh, I don't know what is right. But this I don't know what is right helped me because after a few days I realized why he was reading the newspaper. Because that time the Kargil war had started, India and Pakistan were, in, were at war. And Gauran Prabhu was calling my Guru Maharaj every day, was in America, and they were discussing what to do if there is an emergency. 
So then Maharaj was suggesting how maybe we should store grains and we should do some facility for the community. Because we didn't know how the war, what shape it would take because both India and Pakistan had gone nuclear the previous year. So then, so government people were reading the newspapers every day just to know what's happening. So then I was pacified. So, but many times you may not know what is the intention. So it's better to say, I don't know what is right. You'll be peaceful. Anyway, when all the four of them fail, then I go to the fifth uh, sutra, which is when I see a person doing something really wrong, and I know it is wrong, you know, it's, I can't use this logic of, I don't know what is right. Then I say, something else is right. You know, this fellow, he plays Murdanga so nicely. Or, you know, he may be uh, very, uh, he may be having harsh speech, but uh, he's a great cook. Something else is right. And this has helped me so many times. Trust me. As one Brahmacharya in our Rashtra was always like this, you know. Angry young man. He like, looks very mean. He looks very mean. But I've never seen him somebody serve like the way he serves. And I get this uh, recurring shoulder pain all the time. So he saw me once in pain. And all the time in the Rashtra, he would talk to me like this. Uh, you guys are all educated guys coming. And he's from a village, simple village. And a tough, you know, like rustic. And he would tell you guys are you know not used to doing seva, you know, useless service. <laughs> and, and I would think he's very mean. But when I got a shoulder pain, he brought this ointment, some 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 medicine. And he's senior to me by eleven years in the ashram. I mean, we don't take service from our seniors. We serve our seniors and you know only juniors can serve. But he is senior to me, but he insisted on putting that balm on my shoulder and he massaged me for half an hour. And all the time his face, he was, that frown was on. <laughs> and nobody had given him that seva. He went beyond his call of beauty. He didn't have done it. What I'm saying is we have, you know, it's better to know, I don't know what is right, because you don't know how devotees will manifest their qualities. So this is the fourth. And the fifth is something else is right. So this quality of his came out because something else is right. He may not, have, he may not be having a most charming smile, <laughs> but it's a great service attitude. <laughs> so what is more important? Anyway, something else is right. Now, you may see sometimes nothing is good in that person. <laughs> so then what I tell myself, I saw once one devotee, the true story. He did it. It was like in a meeting, in a management meeting, he abused the management members and he said, and I couldn't see anything good in him. Nothing good in him. Because the more I was trying to see something else, what is right? What is nothing? Because the mind is disturbed, the mind refuses to see uh, any good thing. So the something else is right failed. Then I went to the sixth sutra, which was the end result will be right. <laughs> Means because I, what I what I mean by this is when he was doing all of this, I saw Adeshan Prabhu and Gauranga Prabhu, two of our senior leaders walked by and I said, Wow, these two are the future of Iskon. You know, they will set things right. <laughs> and the end result of all these messes, we will learn from our mistakes, and overall the management will take a good decision, and overall in the next five years things will get smoother. So the end result, see the, see the big picture, like last year, uh, no this year, uh, the first few days, one, one unpleasant incident happened with me at the manor. And then I was like, why did this devotee say this? And then I looked at, then I thought of Keshav Maharaj. I said, wow, Keshav Maharaj is here. So the end result will be alright. <laughs> Something good will happen. So then I told this to Maharaj day before yesterday. So sometimes when nothing makes sense, look at the final result of this. Like there are some mistakes which happened in ISKCON, but if you see today they have made systems, policies. So those mistakes won't happen now. We may make new mistakes. Like my, when I joined the temple, my temple president told me, Rajbihari, you should every day make mistakes. Like what? And then he said, but don't repeat them. Make new mistakes every day, so that you learn and others also learn from you. So the point is, uh, you know, the end result will be right. So when you have seen something grossly wrong happening, have faith. So this is something we have discussed, six sutras. And then if you, even if you see not, end result is also wrong, you are seeing like, oh, this is not going to work. Then I have the seventh sutra, which is pray for the right. Krishna, I can't figure this out, nobody can help, this is a mess, Krishna, please help. So this really helps. When you pray to Krishna, things get sorted. And sometimes when you are so disturbed, I have been in this situation that I am not even able to pray. Then I follow the eighth and the ultimate sutra. After this, I don't have any other tips. <laughs> what are the what are the, let's see the first seven? What is the first? He is also right. Second, 
He doesn't know. He doesn't know what is right. Third, his intention is right. Fourth, I don't know what is right. Fifth, something else is right. Sixth, the end result is right. Seventh, pray for the right. And the last is write the right. <laughs> I write. You know, I have a journal. I write journals every day. So when I'm very disturbed, I just pick out my journal and. And there are many techniques of journaling, and it's a long, it's a, it's a different seminar in itself. But just writing, what is called as free writing, just keep writing and release all of it, you become peaceful. So writing slows down the mind. Because you know, when you're praying to Krishna, I've seen, because the mind is going at a fast speed. When you're praying, your thoughts are not clear because the mind rushes at a very fast speed. But when you journal and pray, writing slows down. Have you realized this? Like if you if you write one page, it might take you 15 minutes, one A4 size paper. But to read it, it will take you two minutes. So writing means it slows down your thinking. So writing is very, very powerful tool of uh, removing all the negativity from our minds and preventing mantra from destroying our lives. Because mantra is everywhere. So best for the devil is like KK could get influenced. What to speak of you and me. But if you have genuine compassion in your heart and if you really serve people, I've seen devotees whom you help and serve. Krishna will arrange them to help you. So like this, we can all be a good community where we see good in others. Peter Drucker, that my American management guru, he made a beautiful statement. Catch them doing right. We always catch people doing wrong. Spontaneously, we know. Once we had a whiteboard and I had written 6 multiplied by 2 is equal to 12. 7 into 3, 25. 8 5s are 40. 9 9s are 81. What did you notice here? Everybody noticed that. 7 into 3 is 25. Everybody noticed. First thing that came to you was. But you didn't see the other five. Other four are right, right? 8 into 5 is 40. That you didn't notice. You don't see what is right. Our default condition is to see what is not correct. What is the gap? Let me fix the gap. Which is needed, of course. In the world we have to survive. But we also need to look at. The good, catch them doing right. And then our lives will be blissful. We'll enjoy every moment of Krishna consciousness will appear to be a festival. Every day will be a festival. Otherwise, even the festivals would be a drudgery. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, 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 Hare Hare. Any comments or questions regarding today's class? I think your time is over. Is there any questions? One? One, one or two. Yes, Krishna. Um, thank you for the class, of course. Um, it's, it's probably going to be a long question, but I was wondering as you were speaking, um, what kind of, what happened to Madhura that made her so kind of corrupt and made her intentions so wrong? Like, how did she get to the state where she was, where she was like capable of influencing? I said that, like she was actually very close to her. No, but what, what kind of happened to Mantra to cause her to become like that? I said fundamentally flawed character. There are devotees who will give you a different answer. You know that what they will tell you? They will tell you that the demigod sent her because Ravana had to be killed. So Ram had to be, you know, Ram had, Ram had to be removed from Ayodhya. So the demigods convinced her and influenced her. And she's actually a great devotee. And you know, this is the Lord's arrangement. This sounds very, very... This sounds very uh, logically satisfying, <laughs> but I don't like this answer. <laughs> I prefer to believe that mantra is bad. Because then, then, what happens, then what happens is then my emotions are invested in the pastime, and then I'm able to uh, relish Ramayana more. You get it, what I'm saying? <laughs> so many times we give logical answers for everything. It doesn't. It can satisfy your head, but not the heart. See, Mantara was, okay, Mantara was, is, is a glorious person, whatever. But she did wrong, right? So, she did wrong, so she should be shown her position in the discussion of Ramayana. Just like, she was part of the Lord's plan. Just like a broom, for example, a broom. In the DT room, when you clean, those of you who have cleaned an altar, we use the broom also to clean. But the broom is not kept in the altar. The broom has a place, it is in the corner. So, Mantara may be part of the Lord's plan, she may be great, but she has to be kept in that corner. 
corner of Europe. She's wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the way I see it. But devotees will give you quotes from different scriptures of mantra, the great lady, and you know, all that. <laughs> Good for them. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Prabhu. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, you're talking about the influence of, of bad association. Um, I guess my question was sometimes we can't avoid bad association. Maybe they're family member or a work colleague or someone you just said so you're you're forced to work with someone that is bad association from you. And often we hear, okay, then you give your association, you don't take your association, but how does one actually protect themselves from the influence? Yeah. <clears throat> See, because I have the luxury of taking an ashram, so I may not face these daily challenges which you know you are facing. Um, so therefore my answer may be a little theoretical but with all sincerity I can say if you are in such a situation I have seen Grastas in our community they are very successful you know, but they know these dangers of bad association, they know the dangers of hearing negativity so what I have seen them do which has kept them safe is that when they come in devotee Sangha they prefer to be part of the crowd, that is Sankirtan you know, they just, they are willing to like what, what you did now for the last one hour, you were in the class and you were simply allowing yourself to be influenced by this person. You had, you had kept your heart open. That, that, is part, that, that is being vulnerable actually, in one sense, you know. You are trusting. That, that is actually surrender. So if you can go to the association of devotees and then be there in the class and just listen. And because Bhagavatam, Krishna consciousness is pure, you will be safe, although you are in that situation. All the problems happen, all the mantra created problems happen because I come to the association of devotees and I think, Prabhu is here, I have come. I am going to change. I am, I am the center of the world. You know? I am going to do something dramatic for propagation. I have got a grand plan to change the world. And that's where all the problems happen. But if I know Prabhupada has made a plan, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has made a plan, let me be part of this big plan. Let me just, you know, the shelter I experience when I just sit with devotees. And somebody is going to kill them, just be there. And then everything gets dissolved. <laughs> you know, like I I don't grasp that told me this was in a similar situation like what we're describing. I said, when I'm in the class and kirtan, I see, oh that Tomji is also there. Oh, oh that Mataji is also there. Oh, she is also there. And just like I'm going through suffering, I'm going through all these challenges, oh she's also going through something. She's going through that. They're all getting beaten by the indefatigable material energy. But they're all here. We are all here, she is also here, he is also here. We are all getting kicked and bruised and badly beaten, but oh, we are all together. And we are safe. So we need to feel safe, we need to feel a sense of belonging, and we need to feel loved. So if you can experience these three, you know, in a Sangha, then despite all the negative barriers, you know where to run to. You can't avoid that, what, what you are saying. I know you can't avoid it. I am in the ashram and still I can't avoid it. <laughs> so I, I know what you're saying. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Please stop here, Prabhu. Just spend 